in the book of Galatians, Paul was combating something very vital in the church. Amen. So what happened was that after Paul had preached the gospel of the grace of God, the message of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and told them that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The believers believed that message and they were saved by the grace of God through faith. They were supposed to continue in that message. Then after Paul left, Jewish fanatics came to infiltrate and pervert the work of Paul in the hearts of the believers. So the Jewish people, who you know were students and practitioners of the law, came and then told the church of Galatia that yes, we understand that uh, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. But being saved by grace alone is not enough. In fact, the apostle Paul you are listening to is not fully genuine. Because he was killing the church. He was destroying the church. He persecuted the church. So what they did was that they did not only discredit the message of Paul, they discredited the person of Paul. They discredited his apostleship. Praise God. And soon many of the believers were gradually diverting. They were turning away from the grace of Christ. And they were now heeding to the gospel the Jewish people were preaching to them. So Paul had this news and Paul had to write to explain them back into spiritual sanity. I hope you're getting this background. So, in the book of Galatians, the, the chapter 1, Paul was validating his apostleship to the, uh, the church of Galatia. Then also, he made them know their fault, which is drifting from the grace of God onto another gospel. Give me the book of Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. It's good to give you a background before we go into the works the fruit of the spirit. Now he says, I marvel that ye are soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Meaning the believer has been called into the grace of God. Our calling is found in the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. And Paul was marveled that these people were turning back to go and obey the law to be justified. So in chapter 1, Paul addressed it by confirming or validating his apostleship and letting them know their fault by drifting. Now, quickly in chapter 2, Paul further was validating his message and was trying to confirm to them that justification only comes by faith alone in Christ. So in Galatians chapter 2 the verse 16 Paul tells us that knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the Lord but by the faith of Jesus Christ now notice he didn't say by the faith in Jesus he said by the faith of Jesus that's quite slightly different what's the meaning of faith of Jesus he didn't use faith in Jesus but faith what of Jesus now that word faith there is actually faithfulness 
So he's saying, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by what? The faithfulness of Jesus Christ, even we who have believed. Meaning, it was the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in dying that gave us the privilege of believing. Until he was faithful in obeying God in dying for your sins, there will be no faith on your side. So, the essence of faith lies on his faithfulness. Are you getting this? So, he says, but by the faithfulness of Jesus, even we who have believed in Jesus, that we might be justified by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no man be justified. The word justified means to be made right, to be declared righteous, to be acquitted and discharged. And the Bible is saying we are made right with God not on account of obeying the law or any other ordinance, but we are made righteous or justified before God on account of what? Faith of Jesus. And it is in the faithfulness of Jesus that we have faith in Jesus. Without his faithfulness, there's no faith. So, that was what Paul was, was arguing on. Then in the chapter 3, Paul now began to rebuke them sharply. Look at the verse 1. That was the first time probably Paul insulted a church like that. He says, Oh foolish Galatians! Which means unintelligent. A Christian who is not well vested with spiritual truth is a Christian who is not intelligent. If you're a Christian, you don't know how you were saved. Who saved you? And details of salvation, that Christian is spiritually unintelligent. If I want to test a believer on his spiritual intelligence, I test it by the truths he has. If I find out a believer saying that someone must die in my family before I see the glory of God, I know that believer is not intelligent. Because technically, no one needs to die in your family before you see the glory of God. Actually, the death of Jesus is enough. And it was his death that activated God's glory for you. I hope you're getting this thing. You, you catch it? So, we, we are to rest and trust in what Jesus did. And that was what Paul was saying. So, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? So, the foolishness of the believer is revealed in his disobedience to spiritual truths. Then he says, before whose eyes he is explaining the truth, Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified amongst you. Next verse. Then he says, this only will I learn of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Paul is asking, how did you receive the Holy Ghost? And he's asking them, did you receive the Holy Ghost by obeying or doing the works of the law or by what? The hearing of faith. Now what's the answer? The hearing of faith. I'm asking you that same question. How did you receive the Holy Ghost? What is hearing of faith? 
when you heard the gospel and you believed it that's the hearing of faith that's the hearing of faith so he's saying you receive the Holy Ghost just by hearing and believing the gospel are you following this thing look at the next verse he says are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are ye now made perfect by the flesh hmm then Paul builds on that so now Paul is dealing with two serious matters work or works and spirit law and grace these are things you will find in the book of Galatians so you must be smart to be able to capture them law grace works spirit following this then it comes to Galatians chapter 4 in Galatians 4, now Paul began to make a contrast explaining law and grace. Now, look at this carefully. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4. The verse 21. Now, Paul is saying, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, because now the Galatian church were now wanting to go back to the law to circumcise to go back to obey the, the ten commandments of moses and he says tell me you did that desire to be under the law do you not hear the law for it is written abraham had two sons follow the one by a bond made the other by what a free woman who are the two sons what ishmael and who isaac follow that then he says but he who was of the bond woman that's Hagar, was born after the flesh. Oh my goodness. Look. But he of the free woman was by 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 promise. Amazing. Follow. He says which things are an allegory. It means it's a prefiguration. It's actually um, a type. Are you following that? So he's saying for these are the two one covenant also actually the story of isaac and ishmael is a story or a revelation of what two covenants what are the covenants the law and grace the old covenant and the new covenant are you following this thing so he says which things are allegory for these two are two covenants the one from what mount sinai where was the law given on mount sinai then he says the other which gender to bondage which is Agar for this Agar Mount Sinai in Arabia and answered to Jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with her children but Jerusalem which is above is free which is the mother of us all now look at the verse 29 or look, look at the verse 28 now we brethren as Isaac was are the children of promise he says but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born of the spirit even so it is now look at the verse 31 then he says so then brethren we are not children of the bond woman but of the free now look he, he mentions isaac and ishmael now 
how both children came is actually a revelation for us in the new testament how did ishmael come ishmael came by abraham's effort and natural ability to help god fulfill his plan so he went into agar and through that intimacy by abraham's choice listening to sarah he produced isaac but isaac was not god's plan sorry ishmael was not god's plan who was god's plan isaac now the bible says that isaac came from the flesh which means abraham's self-effort isaac came from where he came from a promise now if i promise you something who performs it me so if isaac came by god's promise whose power fulfills it god's power this is the difference between law and grace under the law man performs by his natural energy and the bible calls it flesh under grace it is god that promises therefore he produces the power so what paul is saying is that in the new testament it is god's power that produces every life we receive is this thing getting there so now let's see something a little contract between the law and grace so which is the old covenant ot and the new covenant nt now note something both under the new it's okay both under the old testament and the new testament there is obedience but the obedience under the law and obedience under grace are not the same you obey under the law because you have to you obey under grace because you want to they are not saying one is because you have to if you don't do it you are stoned you die one is because you want to why because there's a new desire that is produced by the holy spirit because you need to understand this before we come to this issue on on the fruit of the holy spirit because the fruit of the holy spirit is not that let me go and check love mm. love patience so let me check it and scan it and see how i can apply it no it's not application are you getting this thing so under the law you obey because you have to and grace you obey because what you want to the law stresses on works Grace stresses on faith. So what you are supposed to gain under the law by work, you have it by faith. Believe in Jesus. Are you getting this? Good. Now, under the law, it focuses on the sinner. Under grace, it focuses on Christ that is why if you're a believer who constantly focuses on yourself what I must do what I must do what I must do hey have I obeyed God if I don't obey God hey God is angry hey, if you're always focusing on yourself you will keep failing in your Christian journey 
Because the focus under the law was on the sinner. It was on you producing something to be able to gain something from God. Under grace, the focus is on Jesus because he does the production through the Holy Spirit. Is somebody getting this thing? The next point, the law focuses on what I do. The new covenant or grace focuses on what Christ did. Very important. So the law focuses on what I do. So if you remember, when you read the old covenant, you are going to notice a lot of do, 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 do be, do be, do, 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 do. You shall, you shall, you shall, you shall, you shall is on you. But in the New Testament, it focuses on what? What Jesus do what Jesus did. Meaning, until you know what Jesus do, did, you will not know what to do. Because what we do today as Christians is founded on what he did. I do what is holy because I have been made holy by what he did. I do what is righteous because I was made righteous by what he did. I do what is righteous because I receive the gift of righteousness. So until a man focuses first on what Christ did, he will never be able to do what he's supposed to do. That is why stressing on what believers should be doing without first stressing on what Christ did is going to be real stress. I'm teaching good here. Now, next. Under the law, it, it focuses on the works of the flesh. The law produces the works of the flesh. If you live by the flesh, you will do the works of the flesh. While grace produces the fruit of the spirit. Now, is someone getting this thing? Now, there is a large difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. The difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit is the difference between a factory and a garden. What is done in a, in a factory? Work. You hear machines. Production. Works. What is that in a garden? Life. Fruit. Is someone capturing something here? Under the law, one thing is realized. It's called fear. Why? Because if you know what to do and you don't do it, you must expect something to happen to you. And because you have an expectation, a fearful expectation of judgment, it produces fear in your heart. What we experience under grace is what we call boldness. They are not the same. 
in Hebrews chapter 2 the verse 14 the Bible says for as much as the children talking of Israel are partakers of flesh and blood he himself likewise partook of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil next verse he says and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage the context of this scripture was referring to Jewish people because the law produced that when a man fails to obey anytime you disobey your expectation is death and because you have an expectation of death what happens to you you become afraid so the law made fear very evident in the life of a man grace makes boldness evident in the life of a man next the law produces bondage grace produces freedom or liberty are we here so the law produces bondage you're afraid uh, something bad is going to happen God is going to punish you so there is no liberty but guess what under the new testament or the new covenant Jesus received every punishment that is due us he was wounded for our transgression not his bruised for our iniquity not his the chastisement or the punishment that what brought us peace was laid upon him so now what we experience under the grace of god is what liberty so in galatians chapter 5 the verse 1 now paul now begin to tell us stand fast therefore in the liberty that means that you can be free and still not experience freedom there is something you must do to freedom he says stand fast hold on to it the day a man tells you that you don't have to only believe in Jesus Christ to be saved that means the man is removing you from liberty is someone getting this thing he says stand fast in the liberty when Christ has made us what free and be not what entangled again with the yoke of bondage from this teaching what is the bondage the law so there are many believers who are in the new covenant yet they have old covenant mentality and that was Paul's argument so now follow this carefully follow this carefully Paul wanted the believer to understand two things. Number one, he wanted the believer to understand the work of grace in their lives. He wanted the believer to understand the work of grace in their lives. So, at least in the first two chapters, in, sorry, in the first four chapters, Paul established the fact or gave the understanding to the believer on the work of grace in his life that this is what Jesus did apart from you 
If you are righteous today, if you are justified today, you are not justified because you did something good. You are justified because you believed in Jesus. So he's a, he explained in the first four chapters the work of grace in the believer. Now right from Galatians chapter 5, from the middle of that verse going onwards, now Paul begins to explain the work of the spirit in the believer. So Paul wanted the believer to understand two things. The work of grace in the believer and the work of what? The spirit in the believer. And that's the, why we have challenge. So many believers have experienced the work of grace. They are enjoying it. But they don't know there is a second work which is the work of the Holy Spirit. So the work of the Holy Spirit in us is cooperating together to produce the works, the, the fruit of the Spirit so that we will bear them. So don't forget this. The work of grace produces salvation. The work of the Spirit produces transformation or Christ-likeness. And that was the argument of Paul in the book of Galatians. And Paul was very careful in explaining this reality because he doesn't want the believer to function by the flesh. Willpower. Now, you, you need to also understand that the fact that God does not want the believer to function by willpower does not mean your will is not involved in transforming, to, uh, in transforming your character. Your will is involved because it can never be an automatic work that is done inside you. Are you following this thing? Good. So now Paul begins to explain two things. Remember, the argument of Paul was law and grace, flesh and spirit. So Paul, now in Galatians 5.19, begins to explain to us that when we depend on our willpower or will energy or self-effort outside of God, there is going to be a work that will produce. The work will produce is called what? The works of the flesh. He's saying that this flesh has a certain character. It has a certain lifestyle. The moment you begin walking in the flesh, you give in for the works of the flesh to become evident in your life. So many people think that, okay, the works of the, of the flesh are just produced just like that. No. When your entire Christian life is, is when you begin to think your entire Christian life is dependent on you, you have a problem. You have a problem. Lord, I, 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 I have not acknowledged my mistake. I lied. But Lord, watch my face as I look at you. From tomorrow, I won't lie again. I won't lie again. I won't lie again. That was how you sold yourself. 
That's how you sold yourself. I can assure you with confidence you will lie again. Even better. The next day. I'm telling you. Because you see, the Christian life is lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in the strength of willpower. Write that down. The, the Christian life is lived in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in the strength of willpower. That's why 31st December promises does not work. The Christian life is lived by the power of the Holy Spirit and not by the strength of willpower. Are we getting this thing? So now, Paul makes a contrast against the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Now, with the works of the flesh, notice it is plural. With the fruit of the spirit, it is what? Singular. So now, when he speaks of flesh or works of the flesh, he speaks of human strength. When he speaks of the fruit of the spirit, he speaks of God's strength. So you can draw out from two sources of power. You can write that down. A believer can draw from two sources of power. Willpower and God's power. You can also write this down in this lecture. Work springs out of effort. Fruit springs out of life. Work springs out of what? Effort. Fruit springs out of life. I'm taking my time because I want you to understand this thing carefully. It's going to, it's going to change your life. So, the believer needs to understand that there are two forces within him. Two forces are within him. One force is called the flesh. The other force is called the spirit. So, the flesh is the part of you that is, that is responsible for resisting the will of God and doing God's pleasure. It is a part of you or a, a, and a part inside you responsible for rebelling against God. It's a force. And anytime you want to do, do the will of God, that force rises up because it has been in charge for many years then the spirit is the power that produces the Christian life inside you. So,
So these are contrary to each other. It's an opposing force. Because when you got born again, the Holy Ghost came to live inside you. Now the flesh is also inside. It works through the members of your body, through lust. So there's a conflict. You want to do the will of God? The flesh says, uh-uh. You won't. I'm in charge. So you realize that there's a conflict. A heavy conflict that is going to resist you from doing the will and purposes of God. But God is saying that we need to rest in the power of the Holy Ghost to produce the Christian life and character inside us. Very important. I, I need to stress this many times because many believers are trying to use willpower to do the will of God. It's not possible. You will fail. So the man that said, I won't lie again. He must now change it with this understanding. Now he says, Holy Spirit, Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. So I've realized that without your help, I am helpless. That's a man who is now walking by faith. That's a man who is now not living as an independent man anymore. It's now a man that is God-dependent. Because he knows it is God's power that produces in his life. So now he says, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you not to lie today as I go out. Are you following this thing? Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. And you see, the Holy Spirit has a unique way he deals with everybody. So if the person says, Holy Spirit, I have a last issue and when I see this woman, it, it affects me. You, when you said Holy Ghost, help me. The Holy Ghost will tell you that when you are going to work, don't go to Facebook as part of his help for you. But with another person, he will tell you, don't use this route. That is why God's dealings with us are unique to us. Oh my goodness. God's dealings with us are what? Unique. That is how come, probably, I may say, when you have an issue with lust, do a 21 day fast. May, another person may need 40 days. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is how come we need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Now, look at you. How old are you? How well do you even know yourself? This devil we are talking about is over 6,000 years old. He knows the human anatomy. He knows how temptation works. He knows. He knows how gullible and how fragile the human heart is. He knows. So how do you deal with such a devil on your own terms? It's so funny to find Christians trying to live the Christian life by their, by their power. That is how come every believer must have an active, living, devotional life with Jesus Christ. Because it is part of the strength that guides you. If you're a believer, you don't have a prayer life. I am sorry, you will struggle with your Christian life. You don't have a devotional life. Because it is in those routines that God empowers you to live. 
So it's not that you are the believer who says, Holy Ghost, help me not to lie today. You don't pray. You don't read your Bible. It doesn't work that way. You must, you must have an active, fresh, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And on the premise of that, you ask for help. Now before you realize, those desires, anytime you're not about to lie, then all of a sudden, look at what happens. The Holy Ghost prompts you. Probably before or after. Before he prompts you, now you become conscious. It is coming from the help of God though, because in your strength you will fail. Or when you are done, the Holy Spirit says, you just lied. You quickly go to the washroom. It's the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. That's why I say you should help me. <laughs> because if you don't help me, I can't. I will fail miserably. Holy Spirit, help me. Then you go back again. You won't be the same after two months. Every morning before I preach, I don't trust my note. I am telling you. I study, but I don't trust my studies. Because there can, there can be a time you trust in your knowledge. That is your knowledge that is making the people transform. No, 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 no. I spend time praying and say, God, I don't know what to say. Meanwhile, I have, I have what to say. As I don't know how to say it, Lord, put words in my mouth and take over these lips. That's a man who is not depending on God and not on himself. It applies in every other area of your life. If there's an issue you want to, you want to overcome and you're finding difficulty, first, learn to rely on the Holy Spirit power. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. The first time I prayed for 24 hours, I asked for the help of God. And if you ask for the help of God, he will help you to do the impossible things no man can be able to do by himself. Because in the ongoing process, there was a time that ah, my heart was locking. It's as though I wanted to have a heart attack. And I kept saying, Holy Spirit, help me. At that time, I've done about 18 to something hours. Then all of a sudden, I fell into a trance. Then I saw a metallic heart. Then I saw the metallic heart placed inside my heart. Boom! Then I came out of the vision. When I rose up, it was as though a new strength has entered me. And I prayed into that 24 hours. If I never involved the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Please, are you following this thing? Listen, if there's any struggle or anything you want to accomplish or do, do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. You are going for an interview. Don't trust in what you have studied. Says Holy Spirit, that's after you have done your money devotion. Holy Spirit, as I'm going for this interview, please take over these people. I don't know what to say. Help me. Listen, you, you must forever learn to say help me. I, I'm telling you. Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. We are products of God's help. If you want to be a man of prayer, God's help. You want to walk above sin? God's help. God's power. That's what God's power. So now, what is the fruit of the what is the fruit of the spirit? Quickly, the fruit of the spirit is the idle nature of Christian character.
you can add this to it the fruit of the spirit supersedes all forms of temperaments because it reveals the very character of Jesus the fruit of the spirit supersedes all forms of temperament because it reveals the character of Jesus you can also write this down the fruit of the spirit is the life the Holy Spirit produces. Now I'm saying this for my spirit. It's the life the Holy Spirit produces when the believer abides in Christ. It is the life the Holy Spirit produces in the believer when the believer abides in Christ. Come to John chapter 15. Let's read from the verse 1. He says, I am the vine, and my father is the husband man. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bear more fruit. Now, Many people have used John chapter 15 to explain the fact that the believer is not um, does not have eternal security. So the, the, there is a verse, um, I think in the verse um, the verse 6. He, said, he says, if a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now, so some people read that, I mean, those who don't believe in eternal security, they read that and then they, they make the claim that, you see, the verse is saying that if you don't bear fruit, that means that he will cut you away and then burn you into hellfire. Now, it is very good to read the Bible in context. In John 15, the context is about fruit bearing, not about salvation. So everything he has to say in John 15 is about what? Fruit bearing. So you can never use that scripture to explain salvation. That would be very dangerous. Please, are you following this? So in the verse 6, he says, If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. This is speaking about a believer who chooses not to abide in Christ. His life is going to be as though he's not in Christ. How? He will never be able to bear fruit. When a branch is withered, can the branch bear fruit? No. And he uses the, the figurative speech, men gather them. It didn't say God. He says men gather them and cast them into the fire. So who, are, who is doing the, the casting into the fire? Men. So this one cannot be attributed to God to fight against eternal security. I hope you are getting this thing. So he said, Men gather them. That's a figure of speech saying that if a branch is withered, it's useless. Men gather them and bend them. Meaning, if the believer fails to abide in Christ, he'll be fruitless. And just like we bend withered leaves, your life will be useless. Are we following this thing at all? So, Jesus has come to the verse 3. 
He says, now you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. The verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. Then he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Are you seeing that? There is no way you can ever bear fruit by yourself. Except it what? Abides in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abided in me, the verse 5, and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's amazing. You produce fruit first, not by working. You produce fruit first by abiding. Oh, let, me, let me rephrase it and, and, and put it forward because we need to get this. We can't produce the fruit of the Spirit. We only bear them. It is the Holy Spirit that does the production and we do bearing. If you take a vine, you will notice that the fruit appears on the branch, not on the vine. But actually, the fruit is produced by the vine. So it's like the Holy Ghost does the work and you show it forth. Am I helping here? So he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Actually, he mentions nine things there. So he's supposed to read the fruit of the Spirit, what? Ah. But he said, is. So now, what the writer was saying is that love is not the only thing but love is the main thing so the rest of the items that Paul mentions further describes other aspects or areas of love hallelujah So now, let's begin to analyze the fruit of the Spirit. Look, my time is even up. <laughs> we just finished with the introduction. Alright, today I decided to teach very short. So let, let me add five minutes to read. Now. Okay. Pastor Moses, exactly five minutes. You just add one minute and do it six minutes. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he says the fruit of the spirit is love. So now it's like a tangerine. You see, tangerine is one whole fruit, right? But when you peel off the cover, you see different parts and segments. That's that's how the fruit of the spirit is. It's one fruit, but has many segments. So out of the fruit of love, there is joy. So joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, they are all multifaceted aspects of love. Are you getting this thing? So now, he begins by saying, the fruit of the Spirit is love. But we want to take them one after the other and explain them. 
Now, love is from the Greek word agape. It's an unconditional affection for someone. A sacrificial benevolence towards another. And it expects nothing in return. Quickly, it is also a love that is not based on emotions. So, according to Romans chapter 5, the verse 5, look, Romans 5 5, he says, And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. By what? The Holy Ghost which is given to us. Are you seeing how interesting this thing is getting? He's saying that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. So, no believer is without love. By the Holy Spirit. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So, everybody say, I have love. Tell somebody, I have love. Therefore, I can love. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, um, let me just discipline myself and <laughs> clap for, clap for, clap for me. Somebody should get lunch for me today. Because what I'm, what I'm, when I continue where I want to say, we'll enter 12. It's okay. So, this is the introduction on the, on the fruit of the Spirit. We are going to go into details from tomorrow. Now, you see, sorry, next week. So now, <laughs> you don't want to come to church. <laughs> Hallelujah. So now, just before we, we, we close, You need to understand this summary. Now, this is how the fruit of the Spirit is born. When you, when you develop a deep relationship with God, let me say it this way. The fruit of the Spirit are born in the life of the believer when he has a deep relationship with Jesus. Like, you don't force the fruit of the Spirit to happen that God, I am going to be patient. No. You must first be conscious of that, that the fruit of the Spirit is patient. That means you have it inside you. But it is in a living, active relationship with Jesus that, it, that makes it come naturally. So he used the word fruit because fruits are born naturally as long as the branch is in the vine, is connected to the vine. So it is in your connection with God that life is, is produced naturally. That's what I'm trying to say. It is in your connection. As long as the branch is connected to what? The vine producing fruit. Maybe I, I, I could have used that, but let me just be technical. 
bearing fruit becomes natural. You will never find a branch suffering to bear fruit. Never. As long as he's connected. So it is in your connection with God that you find the fruit of the Spirit being born effortlessly. That is how come we keep emphasizing that Christian strength is in devotion. You lack strength when you don't have a devotional habit. Be a man who is devoted. When I speak of devotion, I'm speaking of your quiet time. The things you do to develop your relationship with God. Those very things, that's where your strength is. That's what you draw from God. So, sometimes it is in prayer the Holy Ghost will speak to you. So, the, the fruit of the Spirit is like, sometimes it comes as a result of a rebuke from the Holy Spirit. When it comes from Him, that response to the Holy Spirit becomes a fruit. Are, are you getting this thing? I want to plead with you. Maintain your devotional habit. Be constantly connected to Jesus at all times. All times. Don't lose sight of your connection with God. If you keep doing that, it will will affect you in so many ways. Positively, I mean. devotional life. I don't know why. You know, this is, this is the message God has given us. The strength of the believer is in his devotion. Develop it. Pray in the morning. Read your Bible. Go on retreats. Memorize scriptures. Meditate on scriptures. Study the Bible. Maintain spiritual disciplines. Go on fasts. As you are doing that, something will just come out of you. When you did not plan to do it. So, the fruit of the Spirit is not what we plan to do. It's what happens to us when we remain connected to Jesus. It's not today I'm going to be patient. Today I'm going to live self-controlled. No. So, in the next one minute, I just want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. If there's any particular thing that you realize you're having a struggle in, when I speak, speak of struggle, I'm not talking about just sin. I'm talking about your prayer life. There are some of you, you can't even fast from 6 to 11. You want to pray and say, God, help me in this area. I need your strength, Holy Spirit. Lift your voice and pray. I need your strength in this particular area of my life. Maybe you find it difficult to give. Maybe you find it difficult to help people. Maybe you find it difficult to be kind towards others. Talk to him. You find it difficult to wake up at dawn. And genuinely, you have tried several times. 
it seems not to be working have you ever involved the holy spirit that's your challenge if you involve the power of the holy spirit you are going to see things happening to you effortlessly you say holy spirit i want to wake up at 4 a.m so i can spend time to pray you will be surprised you'll be surprised what's going to happen you'll be shocked exactly at 4 a.m he'll wake you up because now it is it is not by your strength again if it is by your strength you will even disobey your alarm but if it is by the strength of god is going to help you talk to the holy spirit we need help from the holy ghost jesus emphatically said that without me you can do nothing how come we seem to be doing everything without him talk to him maybe someone is watching me maybe someone is seated here it's a matter of smoking you can't stop smoking and nobody's aware of it you are battling with this thing and the thing is worrying you tell the holy spirit holy spirit i need your power now i have tried in my strength in my own capacity and i even fail and it seems this thing is not working i want to take my life i want to commit suicide no that's not the time have you involved god have you involved god maybe your business you are expecting your business to go in a certain way it's not going have you involved god have you involved the power of the holy ghost hmm. help me holy spirit help me help me holy spirit <laughs>